It's indispensable that coming together with other believers, it will light your fire, rekindle your fire, or keep the fire burning. Sometimes as believers, we don't recognize the importance of corporate worship. Pastor Martin explores this in the Life Lived and Worship Sermon Series. Follow along in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and listen as Pastor Martin explains. So we see here is the day of Pentecost being outlined for us, and we understand that the day of Pentecost is the greatest event since Christ's resurrection because it is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave that I must go that the Holy Spirit will come. It's important because we understand that Jesus was, he came to die for our sins and that that was significant, that was amazing. But something that Jesus told the disciples to help comfort them when he began to speak about his departure or his ascension back to heaven, he says, I must go because if I don't go, he won't come, referring to the Holy Spirit. But here's what he said in relationship to that. He said, it is better for you that I go. Wait a minute now, Jesus, the best thing that ever happened to me is when you came and died for my sins. The best thing that ever happened to me when I came to know you, he said, but it's better for you that I go because if I don't go, he won't come. And then he says, because I have been with you, but he is going to dwell in you. So when we look here the day of Pentecost, we find that there's something that we don't want to miss about this event. Verse 1 says, when they were in one place in one accord. Well, well. And that's actually going to be our focus on how God is empowered in great ways when we are in one place yes. on one accord. The psalmist David said it this way. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This proclamation begins a song of ascension that is the Psalm 122. Now, it was a song that was sung as the people were, Jerusalem was up on a hill. And so as the people were coming in to worship, they could see Jerusalem from afar off and they would break out in the song and they would begin to sing this Psalm 122. They would begin to declare that they were glad for the opportunity for them to go to where God had placed his name. Because we understand that God had already determined. He says, he says I don't dwell in places. I don't, I don't dwell, I, I'm spirit. I don't dwell in places. However, I will put my name in certain places that I sanctify for worship. Solomon prayed this prayer after completing the temple. He, he prayed, he says, God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive when your people come to this place. So we talk about the power of corporate worship because for some going to the house of the Lord, it could either be a 
chore or delight. You can say, man, I could just, I got to get up and I can't wear my rollers. Got to put my good face on. Brothers might say he might need to shave, get a tight fade. Or the very active driving over. But for the psalmist, we see David saying it was the latter. It wasn't a chore. It was a delight for him to go. He says, I'm glad anytime they tell me, they invite me to come. I'm glad to come into the house of the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Although he could experience God alone, because we can, because I just shared with you that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would dwell within us, that we can experience God alone. The psalmist took great pleasure, though, in experiencing him in community with others. There's something that is profoundly significant about gathering with others to honor God as God himself has promised that he would be in the midst where two or three gather in his name. So there's something that God has made distinctive about the coming together. And as we can see from our focus text, God, when he looked down and saw that his people had gathered in one place on one accord to honor their God, the potential, the potential for something miraculous existed. Anytime, here's his reality, that anytime the people of God gather together expecting for their God to show up, guess what he's going to do? He's going to show up. See, oftentimes we get so enamored with, with personalities. You know, you watch TV, you look on television, you see someone in, the, in, a, in an auditorium, is filled, it's 15,000 people have come to the crusade, and, and the person on stage may not even be the best speaker, but they believe that that person has connection with God, and here's the reality. God doesn't show up because of the person on stage. He shows up because of the people in the audience have come to this place believing that if they showed up, God would also be there. 15,000 people in one place saying, God, come be with us. The father says, oh, I'll be there. The power. So when we see the miracle of what happens in Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit being released, the requisite was they were in one place on one accord. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit in writing scripture was intentional about making sure he made clarification that they were in one place on one accord. Because here's what I want to understand. You look at people, human beings, we're, we're an interesting bunch. You bring us all together, it's hard to get us all on. Just take your family on vacation. What y'all want to eat? I don't care. Well, let's get chicken. I don't want no chicken. (laughs) Let's just get ribs. I don't want no ribs. We had ribs last month. Well, I've been wanting some catfish. Because I believe that same 
reality was being faced by the people. They, Jesus has just been crucified. He's resurrected. He spent time teaching them. And then while they're standing there, he just ascends into heaven. So likely they all had all kinds of ideas of what they were to do and what he told them. Which is why God points out when they were in one place, because maybe Peter was over here holding him a meeting and, and you know, and, and James and John were over there. They were having some meetings about some things. And, 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 and then they would, when they got together, they all had, didn't know what, what they wanted. We, somebody said we should be dancing. Somebody said we should be singing. You know, they had chosen a, a missing disciple. Remember, they, 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 they chose Matthias. They said, hey, uh, now it's only 11 of us because of Judas. And they cast lots. They didn't pray. They're they, they like, hey, they, you know what? Whoever gets the, the shortest, we're going to trust that that's God. So they're all trying to figure out what to do. But the Bible says that when they were in one place, one accord, God released the Holy Spirit to dwell in men. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So there's power in corporate worship. So there's two principles of two primary premises that I want to work from today. One would be worshiping Jesus together plays an indispensable role in rekindling our spiritual fire. Watch this now. And keeping that fire burning. It's indispensable that coming together with other believers, it will light your fire Rekindle your fire yes, yes. or keep the fire burning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I feel the fire burning. <laughs> Old song my granddaddy used to sing. He would get up there and he would start singing, I feel the fire burning. He was an old deacon. And he would talk about how it was burning in my soul. It was a devotional song. Anyone remember that? Devotional songs? Somebody grew up Baptist. I know that for sure. You know, get the old deacons up there. They stand across the front. They looking around at each other. Never did prepare. They never, never, never straightened it out back before they got up there. They got up there and figured out who's going to pray. Uh, you pray. You read scripture. I'm going to sing and you sing. All figured out right there in front of the church. So there's something that is indispensable about coming together that helps to keep the fire burning. The fire and love that you have for the Lord. The second premise is this. Corporate worship brings together God's word. So here's, here's the one place, because if you're driving, you might be listening to a scripture, you might be listening to a sermon on, 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 on the radio, or you may be playing a CD. But when we come together in corporate worship, it's the one place where it brings it, bring it all together. It brings together God's word, prayer, fellowship with other believers, and thus brings, makes it all come together in this sense that we're able to come together to see God's ongoing grace. When you look around and you see the others who have come through just like you have. You see God's ongoing grace because you look and see that, 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 hey, someone says, hey, man, I had a rough week. 
but I'm glad to be here. You know, you know their story and you see how God is still working in their lives because they keep pressing on. See, bringing all that together helps us to see God's continual grace in the lives of his church. That leads me to point number two. And I've got some, some, some uh, 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 brothers and uh, two brothers and a sister who's going to come help me with this so they can make your way to the stage to help me make this first point. This first point is corporate worship invites participation. Corporate worship invites participation. And so I've got these brothers, we're gonna wait for one more, she's coming. But while we're waiting for her, hear this. There's an old Swedish proverb that says, a shared joy is double joy. Think about that. You're excited. Something's good happening in your life, right? And then you share it with somebody else and they say, yes! Shared joy is double joy. Now, I've invited them to help me to make a point because one of the things is a phenomenon within humanity in which when something's good, we want to share it. So here's what I have. Uh, let's see, your preference is white chocolate chip, okay. And you are a white chocolate chipper as yes, well? Yes, Pastor. Uh-huh. And then you are oatmeal raisin. Okay, all right. Amen. See, y'all, see, being a prop help, it, work, it works out. You get blessed, amen? So what I want you to do is open it up. And I want each of you to take a bite. And you can, you, I'm going to say one bite, but whatever, how many bites it take you to still, to be able to respond to me, because I, I need you to still be able to, Respond back. You say, mm hmm, mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Is, is, how's it? Is, it? is it good? She said it's good. It's good. Good. It's good. Okay, so after you tasted it, and being that there's no name on the box, what first comes to mind? Where did they? Where did they, there it is, somebody said. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? I didn't care. Oh, he said he didn't care. He said he didn't care where it came from. So, so, so the first thing that comes to mind would be, or one of the things that comes to mind is, hmm, who made these cookies? And Brother Terry said, you a bacon man. I didn't make it, Brother Terry. So, so where they come from, right? And after you know where they come from, and Brother Jesse, I know this would be true of you. Don't you want to tell somebody else where they can, can get them? Yes. Here's what the psalmist said in his taste test. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because once it's been declared that they are good, that he's good, then you want to share with somebody else and invite them in. See, worship, when you come in in corporate worship, when you stand and you declare how good God is, somebody looking over and said, wait a minute. I wonder why she's declaring God is good. What is it about him that makes him say God? Is, why is he crying and saying God is good? 
because corporate worship invites participation. Thank you, guys. Bless you. You can have the other ones in there. They're, they're, the psalmist says in Psalm 34 and 80 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who trusted in him. See, here's the thing that we have, and it's a note for you to take down if you're writing notes. When something is proclaimed as good, it piques the interest of those that are around. See, now you all are wondering, where you get those cookies from? He didn't bake them. There's no name on it. Where do you get the cookies from? The box look good. Where, where, they said they were good. Where did they come from? See, when, the, when that interest is peaked, it creates an opportunity to share right. the good news about the one who's good. Yeah. See, the thing that we have to understand is God intended for worship to be shared. Yes. I'm going to share with you a few passages of scripture that the psalmist declares, let us. So we're going to look at the let us. In that same Psalm 34, verse 3, the psalmist David says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In Psalm 95, verse 6 through 7, we, we shared this last week. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our, there it is, another us, our, our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. See, worship is intended to be shared. And, then, and, and certainly going back to our psalm earlier, Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So we understand, let us, but then there's multiple times throughout Scripture where we hear our, which speaks of collective. Yes, sir. Psalm 124, verse 1 says, if it had not been for the Lord... And certainly each one of us can say that individually. I can say it, you can say it, she can say it, he can say it. But when you put us all together, it goes from being I to our. He says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Psalm 124, later at the end of that psalm in verse 8, it says, our help is in the name, our, our collective help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Don Whitney, Dr. Don Whitney, actually, he is a professor at, uh, of, of biblical spirituality and associate dean at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He wrote a book that's entitled Spiritual Disciplines for Christian life. And here's what Don said. He said, there are, there's an element of worship and Christianity that cannot be experienced in private or by watching worship. 
There are some graces and blessings that God gives only in the meeting together with other believers. He said there are certain graces and certain things that God will only do when we come together because he said, when you gather in my name, I'm going to be in your midst. So notice we can begin to see that there's some blessings in corporate worship, which actually leads to point number two. I'm going to list the blessings in one place in one accord. Because there are six things that I want to share with you today that are intended to help point out these blessings. Now, David Mathis, who's the executive editor for DesiringGod.org, in May 2020, 2000, May 25, 2014, he wrote an article on, called The Five Benefits of Corporate Worship. And he, the goal was to focus or to highlight the blessing and the benefit of corporate worship. So today, I want to begin this section on sharing these blessings by asking the question. If Jesus has promised to be present in the midst of two or three in Matthew chapter 18 and 20, if he's promised to be in the midst of two or three, how much more can we anticipate his presence when the broad local body of believers come together and assemble for worship. If God, how much more of his presence will be there if two or three will get him into place, how much more of him will come yes, right, yes, when we all come together? So let's get into this. The six blessings, there's six blessings I want to highlight for you that are blessings of corporate worship. The first one is an awakening of hope, an awakening of your hope. Often we come in the corporate worship gathering, in this corporate worship gathering, feeling a sense of spiritual fog. Sometimes we're down-spirited. And the obstacles and the challenges of the week, the hard knocks of real life happening around us. And we find ourselves as we come, we come in somewhat disoriented. Yes. <laughs> you ever been there? Yes. You know you need to go to church, but why you coming, you just... Just glad to be in the service. It's not a glad, it's a just glad to make it in. But worship helps to clear our head. When you come in and we begin to declare how God is faithful, how he has never failed, how he won't let you down, how I was down but he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet, on solid ground. When I start to hear of his goodness, it begins to clear up and it begins to jump start. Watch this now. Or ignite my hopes, yes. my heart's hope. Yes. I keep on pressing on because my hope was a little foggy there for a minute, but now I'm in the place with the believers. I'm reminded that he didn't bring me this far to leave me. That's blessing number one. Blessing number two is it affirms or affirmation of your faith. It affirms the fact that I'm trusting in the right one. Back in, in, in the, uh, I think it was the 80s or the 90s, Pepsi hired Ray Charles. 
and he had a famous slogan. You remember that? At the end, he said, you got the right one, baby. You got the right one. If you're drinking Pepsi, you got the right one. I'm going to tell you this, that sometimes our faith has to be reminded that I got the right one. That when I found Jesus and he accepted me, I don't need anybody else. See, corporate worship is for our general upbuilding and uplifting. God is, is bringing us together to encourage us and lift us up. So as we console one another, hey, I, I, I know how you're doing. I can come over and say, hey, you okay, brother? Been a rough patch for me. We're going to keep praying for you. I'd appreciate that. So it helps to affirm our faith. Blessing number three. Corporate worship helps to enhance your spiritual advancement. Helps enhance or to nudge along your spiritual advancement, your continued growth. See, corporate worship plays an indispensable part in our sanctification process. Sanctification, that's, that's when I, I come to Jesus, I'm a rich. He saves me, and then he begins this process of sanctifying me, making me new. Old things passing away, becoming new. See, corporate worship is an indispensable part of it because as I come in and I gather with believers, and as I hear the word, I hear the songs and, I, and, and the prayers that are prayed, it helps me to continue my journey of growing closer and closer to Jesus. Our progressive growth is being, is being as we're being conformed to the image of Christ is only being enhanced when we come together in worship. See, it's in corporate worship where the scripture that God chooses to, 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 to use somebody to pray, I mean to read, the prayer that God ignites someone's heart to pray, the, the songs that are sung by the praise team, and the truth of the preached word it's in corporate worship where all of that come together yes. in one package, in one place. Yes. And here's how the God does it. He takes all of that and then he presses what you need into the area that you need it. Because it may not be the song, it might have been the prayer. Yes. It may not have been the prayer, it may have been the song. It may not have been the song or the prayer, it may have been the scripture that was read. Yes. It may not have been either one, of them. it may have been the word that God is preaching from the pulpit that he presses that right into the place of your need. And you go, and you sing like James Cleveland said, I don't feel no ways tired. The next one, blessing number four, the oneness of Christ is revealed or realized in corporate worship. Because see, when you're at home and when you're on your own, you're in the driver's seat. You decide what song you're gonna play, what scripture you're going to read. See, but the oneness of Christ is realized when we come to corporate worship because we have to trust God to guide someone else to bring what we need. See, you don't get to tell the praise team what they're singing. The Holy Spirit lays that out in advance. You don't get to tell me what sermon to preach because the Holy Spirit lays that out. You don't tell the brother on the stage, Mr. Anthony, what to pray. The Holy Spirit guides his heart. And as all of that begins to come together, we realize the oneness of Christ because we realize that we're one with another. Amen. Yes, 
and not doing it on our own. And we have to submit to the fact that our faith is mostly receptive. You say, well, Pastor, no, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actively engaged in my spiritual development. Absolutely. But watch this. How did you say? Somebody told you about Jesus. You had to receive that. The foundation of your faith is based upon receiving. So God continues that process by when you come together, you have to be ready to receive because he's the one that's orchestrating it all and providing what you need. So the oneness of Christ is revealed. The fifth blessing. We got one more after this. Your joy is accentuated. Accentuated joy is the fifth blessing. As we shared earlier, that double joy or shared joy is double joy. How about your joy being multiplied by everybody here? See, when you there and you you foggy in faith and somebody's clapping their hands and you ain't feel like clapping. But then the scripture that was read earlier and the prayer that was prayed and the first song warmed you up. You ain't there yet. I'm still down because, you know, I still got this stuff I'm dealing with, Jesus. But then something happens. You they start talking about how you're the great I am. Yes, yes. And that sounds good. You're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> then your foot starts patting. You're the great. And your shoulder's getting into it. <laughs> and before you know it, you look around and you see somebody's clapping their hands. Somebody else is laid back singing. The praise team on stage is singing their hearts out. And then it stirs something in you and you realize, wait a minute, this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me and I can't let the world take it from me. So you have accentuated joy when you come into corporate worship. Last one, six, and I'm almost done. You have renewed faith. Renewed faith. Because oftentimes it's through being reminded how good God is. But the cares of life and disappointments of various different failed endeavors and the weary hope, wearying of our hope, our faith can become lethargic and sluggish. However, it is in the presence of other faith travelers. Watch this now, because we're all traveling home. We see, we, we, we were driving. See, uh, uh, Brother Tim, we used to take these trips, my family and I, we would drive to the, to the, to the coast so we can go on vacation. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, the, the journey would get long because anytime you're going, there's something about traveling that when you stop at a, at a rest stop just to use the bathroom, we got we to wander around to shop in this little... <laughs> this little canteen or the little uh, convenience store they have at the gas station. And it, and, it, and it adds time to the journey. 11-hour journey becomes 14 hours. I was like, please, 
can y'all just come out and get in the car? We need to go. But what would happen is when there would be multiple drivers, we would start to get weary because everybody else, after they've wasted so much time shopping, then they go get in the car and go to sleep. You still got to be. So we would, we would call. We'd get a call chain going to remind each other, hey, we just got another hour left. There's only 45 minutes. Just hang in there. So when we come together in corporate worship, it helps to renew our faith because as the journey, we're all faith journey on, on this journey, but sometimes we get weary. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we need somebody to remind us, hey, it won't be long. Hold on. Don't let go. That leads me to my final point. Point number three. Amazing things can happen corporate worship. See, when we go back and let's go back and look at our text, I want you to just look at verse six down. It says, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone, here it is now, everyone heard them speaking in their language. Let me help you understand something. I've taken Spanish. I took it in middle school, I took it in high school, even took a class in undergraduate, and I still can't speak Spanish. Como se amo, I got that. Me amo Jorge, I, I picked up on my name in Spanish, it's, it's George, it's Jorge, say me amo Jorge. And then someone said, uh, uh, um, Habla español? No, 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 no. Un pico. Un poquito. Just that, that's it. I, I just got a little bit. But after all this time and all these efforts, I still can't speak it. But when they were in one place, in one accord, God miraculously gave them the ability to speak because look what it says. Heard them speaking in their own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not Galileans? They said, These folks ain't even been outside of this town, this, this region. But we hear them speaking in our own language. See how God, when He brought them together, they were in one place on one accord. Something absolutely amazing happened. And I tell you this, that the same God who showed up on the day of Pentecost when they were in one place on one accord is still looking for some more one place and one accord. So here's what I'd like to call corporate worship. Powerful togethering. Power. Powerful togethering. Say that with me. Powerful togethering. This coming together is powerful. We talk about corporate worship. There's blessings. And there's great possibility. Because God says, when you gather in my name, I'll be in the midst. Now, I want to ask this question to conclude the sermon today. What were they doing in the upper room on this particular day? Now, the answer to that is the Bible 
does not reveal, but there is a suggestion that I have that exists. It's found in another incident where there was a two gathered in his name. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, we've heard it, you've heard it referred to. You can write it down, you don't have to turn it. I'm gonna read it for you. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing a hymn. So I believe that at some point they finally got it figured out that, hey, we just need to come together, wait on the Lord, sing some hymns and pray, remind each other who God is and the things that Jesus has done. Because it says, and the prisoners were listening to them. Then I tell you that worship will invite participation. The prisoners are saying, what's going on over there? They, these men are down in jail. They're down here for preaching the gospel. They're down in the lower part of the jail, but they're singing and talking to their God. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That when they got on one accord, Paul and Silas, one singing, one praying, or one praying and one singing, on one accord, the Bible says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. See, that's, that's possibly what they were doing. I don't know. I'm suggesting that on that day when they were in one place on one accord, God said, I'll be there. And when he shows up, he always, he comes to do something. We see what he did. Even in a prison, when they gathered for church, having church in jail. And he says, even in jail, I'll come if you get, if you gather in my name. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.